when when we started this study of First John, uh, you may have been like me that you looked at First um, John and you thought, well, there's there's certain themes that just keep coming out in this book, and in doing that, as we go through it, to me it seems. Wow, I guess they keep coming out more than I even realize. But 1 John chapter 4, we want to begin reading at verse 7 of 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, indeed, in and of ourselves, we feel helpless to properly convey the truth of Your Word, to understand Your Word. And so we appeal to You and the ministry of Your Spirit to give us the understanding to make the application and empower us to be doers of the Word. Lord, we do thank You for the access that we have to Your Word and, and all the tools that help us to grow in Your Word and the understanding of it. I just pray that uh, truly it would be activated by the ministry of Your Spirit today. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Throughout the book of John, we find over and over um, the word love used. And in our day today, our culture uses the word love in, in many, many different ways. Um, we may say, I love the mountains, or I love pizza, or you know I love chocolate. Or, I love um, my children. Or we may think of love in some sentimental, syrupy, lovey-dovey way. Or we may think of love in some physical relations. But when John is talking about love here, he... Um, bases it on Scripture and much of his other writings that we find in the Gospel of John, also that we find throughout um, this epistle that he wrote, and also that we find other writers of, of Scripture that God designed them to give us a picture into the heart of God, into knowing um, regarding God's heart, regarding love. Now, when we come to this passage that we read here today, 
it is easy for us to check out and say, oh man, here we go, talking about love again, and I about had my fill of that already in First John chapter, this, this book and so on. Um, I, can, I can share with you that sentiment, okay? Um, but at the same time, I have been greatly challenged through this and humbled when I realize what God has called us to, what God has modeled for us, and the very nature of God. A genuine follower of Christ loves because of several things. And John gives us some reasons for that here. A genuine follower of Christ loves because God Himself is the source of real love. A biblical definition of, of love is that it is a self-sacrificing, caring commitment that shows itself in seeking the highest good of the one loved. Now, we could, we could really spend much time and do a series basically on that def definition. But it's a self-sacrificing, uh, meaning that it's not about me. <clears throat> it's a caring commitment. You know, it's one thing to care for a while. <clears throat> it's another thing to have a commitment. We'll, we'll be talking more about that tonight in the evening service. That I am committed to love you, period. That's God's love for us. That shows itself. In other words, it manifests itself. God so loved the world. It doesn't stop there. How did we know that He loved the world? It shows itself in seeking the highest good of the one love. Now, in this passage, in verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. It also says, God is love. Verse 8, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's nature is love. We may say such things as God creates, God rules, God judges. It means that that is one of God's activities. But that is not what he's saying here, that love is one of God's activities. It is saying that God is love, and if He creates, He creates in love. When He rules, He rules in love. When He judges, He judges in love. Everything that He does is done in love. All that He does is an expression of His nature, which is love, which is a self-sacrificing commitment that shows itself in seeking the highest good of the one love. So God, everything that He does, He is seeking, He is committed 
to seeking the highest good for we, the ones that are loved. You see, it's not just something that God does, but it's something that God is. Now, many people misconstrue this to mean that God is love, so He overlooks or He is tolerant towards sin. Some go so far to say that because God is love, He could never condemn anyone to an eternal punishment of hell. The Bible is clear that God's love does not negate His holiness or His justice. We've already looked in 1 John. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. God's holiness and His love are a part of His nature and neither negates the other. It doesn't mean because He's holy that He just cuts people off. He is against them. Nor does it mean if He loves them that He allows anything to go. And He accepts whatever. Truth and love are not enemies. In, in reality, you cannot have one without the other. You can't have genuine love without truth. We don't have the time to go into it, but we've already looked at 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, and he's saying is there are many false teachers out here, and you need to try the Spirit, and he's placing a heavy emphasis on truth. And isn't it interesting that after he places that heavy emphasis on truth, immediately after that, he comes back in and he emphasizes love. And he says, they are hand in hand. It's not one undoes the other. Now, God Himself is the source of real love. Because God is love. We wouldn't know love were it not from God. Now, some may say, well, I know people that that have nothing to do with God, and they love their children, or they love their mate, or they love their parents. While such love can be caring and committed and self-sacrificing, <clears throat> apart from God, it can never be genuinely biblical because without God, you cannot seek the other person's highest good to come to a relationship with God, to be brought to oneness with Him. So whenever we see biblical love, all love, that is genuine love, originates with God. It comes from God. It is His person. It is His, um, it is His nature. Now, God manifested that love in sending His Son. Notice, if you look in the passage, verse 9, In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. How? That God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. 
In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The only reason that we know God's love is because He sent His Son and manifested His love. For God so loved the world, it doesn't stop right there. Okay, God loved the world. How do we know that God loved the world? That He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible is the only book in the world that contains the idea that God, behind all created matter, is a God of love. Creation reveals His power. Creation reveals His greatness and His might. But there is nothing that says God loves us like God sending His Son to pay the penalty for our sins. We, we sang the, the last song. What was the title of the last song we sang? How Great the Father's Love. Um, G-H. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son... To make a wretch his treasure. You know, sometimes we get the idea, why wouldn't God save me? I come from a good family. I'm a hard worker, law-abiding, tax-paying citizen. We miss the point. We are wretched rebels against God. How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns His face away as wounds which mar the Chosen One bring many sons to glory. Behold, take a look, and behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon His shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. You know, many times we like to stand in our minds aloof from the fact that that people were saying, hey, if you're the Son of God, why don't you bring yourself down from the cross? We like to think it was Roman soldiers or sinners in that day. We like to think it was someone else that was spitting in his face and slapping him. But that was representative of us. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath brought life to me. I know that it is finished. So that means I will not boast in anything, not in any gifts, not in any power, not in any wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. See, why was the cross? Why was Calvary? Why was 
the sacrifice of Jesus the theme of the New Testament writers because they realized where they'd be without it and they realized you cannot find a greater picture of love. This is the lovely loving the unlovely. And it says here in this passage that He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is the... the the binding together of the holiness and love. Propitiation means to satisfy God's justice and wrath toward our sin. His love didn't just brush away our sin because His holiness and justice would have been compromised. His love fulfilled it. And He loved us in spite of who we are. It is important that we see how unworthy we are of God's love. Now, all of this to each of us as Christians is just, you know, yeah, right, we've heard that, we know that. And, and we may be rejoicing in it, and, and that's good. But he ties this together now when he says, Beloved, let us love one another. He begins with that. He says, love is of God. All love comes from God. God manifested His love and modeled His love in sending His Son for us when we were completely unworthy. And then John says, now if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you will have genuine love for others. So he's saying, here is God. And God's nature is love. And He manifested that love by sending His Son to pay the penalty for our sin. And if you have received Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. You have God's love dwelling within you. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that love should be coming out of you in loving other people that are unlovely the same way that God loves you and me in our unloveliness. Every Christian has two basic kinds of love operating inside them. They have have the opportunity for human love and feelings, and then they have God's love, divine love, extended through our lives to others, can come only from God. And as recipients of God's love, God expects us to radiate that love to others. John is saying here that our love for one another is to reflect the very nature of God. He's saying, you love one another because that's what God's like. The believer in fellowship with God and manifesting God's love shows that love is not natural to me. It's a love that proceeds from faith and from a walk with God. And John is saying, Beloved, if God so loved you, you ought to be able also, by God's love, to love that difficult person in your life. It's in those difficult situations that God's amazing love can shine forth through us. 
If you're having trouble loving someone, remember God loved you when you were a sinner. God loved you and loves you as unworthy as you are. And verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Is the answer for every lame excuse on our part which says, Oh, you just don't know the person that's in my life. There's no way I could love them. What he says in verse 11, If God could love you, there is no greater distance from God to us. There is no greater offense. He said, if God can love you, so should you be able to, with God's love, to love others. When a man truly becomes a follower of Christ, it is important that he understands, and as a true follower of Christ, he will be converted to the law of love. Since you made a profession of being a follower of Christ, are you kinder in various relations in your life? Is your life more full of the fruits of the Spirit, more full of the fruit of love? Do you have more of a a benevolence, a kindness, a graciousness toward other people? Every year, do you less and less accept the responsibility of loving others as a task, as a burden, and more and more do it with cheerfulness? Are you more full of the sweetness of a spirit that that people delight in being around? What, What direction are you moving? John is saying, if you have received Jesus Christ and are a follower of Christ and your focus is on the cross and how much God loves you and we sing about the cross and sing about His love and rejoice in His love. He said, if you really are that, He said, it will be evidenced in how you interact with other people beginning in your very household. He said, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And he makes the argument very clear and simple. It's no good claiming that we know God and the love of God if it isn't somehow coming out in our life. If your reaction to those who offend you is one of opposition and rejection, and antagonism. What John is saying is, it's no good to say that you belong to God. Somewhere in your heart, if God is there, the Spirit of God will be working that there's a response. Can you imagine, can you imagine the differences in marriage if all of us were really 
followers of Christ in our marriages. But you don't know how unlovely they are. Nowhere near as unlovely as you and I have been to God. Can you imagine the difference it would make in, in homes and work and churches? John's argument is if the life of God is present in us, then the love of God will be present around us. It will be, it will be manifested in our life. The church father, Jerome, said that when the Apostle John that wrote this was in his extreme old age, he was so weak that he had to be carried into the church meetings. And at the end of the meetings, he would be helped to his feet to give a word of exhortation to the church. Honestly, the, Jerome wrote, the disciples began to grow weary of the same words every time. And they finally asked him why he always said the same thing over and over again. Being, love one another for love is of God. When they asked him, why do you keep saying this over and over? He replied, because it is the Lord's commandment. And if this only is done, it is enough. Can you imagine if only we would learn to love and let the love of God truly flow through us, the difference that it would make. The more I study this, the more I find, you know, a lot of times men think this love stuff, it's a feminine type thing. It takes more character and more fortitude and more conviction to be committed to someone when they are mean and ugly and and reactive to you and say, you know what? Nothing's going to stop me from loving you. That's not some fickle, feel-good thing. That's a commitment, a self-sacrificing commitment to care for them for their best interest. You know what? None of us have that in us unless we have God in us. It doesn't come natural. Because if it's natural, you can eventually find that it is motivated by self. But if it is of God, and every one of us as believers have it in us, if we will submit to it, if we will yield and say, okay, God, it's not about me. Lord willing, tonight we'll, we'll be making uh, many more applications of this. But do you understand? It, it can't be any other way. This is what John is saying. He's saying God's nature is love. And he showed that by loving the highest, loving the very lowest. And he says, now, if you have God's nature, go and love whoever God puts in your life. Have an unwavering commitment 
that shows itself in seeking the highest good for the one loved. There's no way in these short moments we can cover all the issues here. But I know this. If we have a desire to be a genuine follower of Christ and a desire that Christ would flow through us, I know that He will teach us about genuine love. I know He will give us opportunities. I know that He will instruct us. And I know, as John said, why do you keep repeating it? I can say, I keep repeating it because we're going through 1 John. But John says, I keep repeating it because it's the Lord's commandment. And if it's the only thing done, it is enough. You know, I don't know about you, but I like things simple. You just need to do this and this. Okay, got it. He's saying... On these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then the second one, to love your neighbor as yourself. To have a a self-sacrificing, caring commitment that shows itself in seeking the highest good for the one loved. And it must begin in our homes. If any man says, I love God, and doesn't love his brother, John said the love of God is not in him. And he says, if God could love you, you can love others. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be our constant model, our motivation, and our mentor in this vital, vital need of learning to love as you love. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be examined and searched by Your Spirit. And Lord, I pray as genuine followers of You that anything that is hindering Your love from being manifested through our lives, that Your Spirit would pinpoint that in our lives and we would take care of it so that Your love is manifested wherever You lead us. Lord, I pray... For individuals that maybe have never responded to the manifestation of your love, they've never received the gift of forgiveness. Lord, I pray today that they would lay down their rebel arms and call upon you. Lord, we're in desperate need of a fresh working of you and I know that will be manifested in a fresh working of genuine love Lord may that be ministered through our lives we pray in Jesus name Amen let's stand together our heads bowed and eyes closed